1: Welcome to Freedom of Species. We bring animal advocacy to the airwaves of Three CR Community Radio. Um, thanks to Sally for another great show of Out of the Pan, and me and my guest Mark. We're both just commenting on on yeah, really enjoying that show. Lots of really interesting points. Um, one thing that particularly stood out to me was the the history of the movement and and how that uh, the radical history of. Um, of, of that movement has, has been a raise in a lot of the contemporary discussions. So, yeah, definitely check that out. If you missed that show, you can check out all the out-of-the-pan shows via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au i'm joined by mark allen um mark was on the show um a while ago probably a year or two ago now discussing holistic activism Um, that was one of my first shows actually on freedom of species and I, i really enjoyed that show and um yeah i think he's a great guest to deal with the issue we'll be discussing today thanks for coming in mark thank you it's a pleasure nick and the topic we 'll be discussing is actually the exact same topic we covered last week, which is I guess looking at this interaction between um, environmental movement and animal movements and those in the environmental movement who are trying to address the issue of animal agriculture and It, it is unusual for us to cover a topic two weeks in a row, but I think it is actually really important to Uh, going to more depth on this show is a really great show last week and definitely check that out if you missed it but yeah i I definitely think it is worth devoting more time on the show too because yeah i think it's obviously climate change is so vital in that we don't really have anything else if we if we don't address the climate change issues i think it's really important we address address this issue including animal agriculture but also i think it's really important that uh, and we'll get into some of this later of i think it's really important to have positive big movements addressing climate change as well and, and looking at some of the things that can undermine. And that as well. So it's definitely a big one. Um, but I thought we'd start off um, talking about um, some of our backgrounds and particularly as it relates to this issue of uh, veganism and animal agriculture being addressed as part of environmental movements. So yeah, I'll hand over to Mark if you could introduce yourself to listeners
0: and where you're coming from for this issue. Yep, yeah, hi. Well, um, I started the holistic activism movement um, a few years ago after being um, in the activist movement for quite a few years. And I realised that uh, the behavioural change side of activism was something really important about how we can build a comprehensive movement, um, find those in- intersections of values and find common ground so that we can build something that's comprehensive and ongoing um, without getting caught up in division. Um, I've been a vegan for oh, 10 years now, but I was a vegetarian for many years before that. So food ethics and animal agriculture has always played a big role in my activism um, and I'm also a town planner as well, so sustainable town planning is also an important part of what I do. I'm, I'm just setting up the Town Planning Rebellion movement, and that also intersects in with the animal agriculture side of thing as well, because a lot of development um, that, uh, that uh, town planning, urban sprawl, is on land that we can grow food on, and that impacts food miles and things like that. And um, so, yeah, so I like to sort of see where. These different issues can intersect together so that we can find common ground and build a comprehensive movement and food ethics and town planning are my two sort of main areas of interest mm-hmm.
1: and yeah I and I should say I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today and yeah I guess where I come at it from is I've been involved in these I guess vegan contingents of the environmental movement or um, yeah aspects of the environmental movement addressing animal agriculture probably since about 2008 I believe was maybe the first rally I went to uh, with banners highlighting the environmental impact of animal agriculture and since then over the last what 12 years or so I've been involved in the those um contingents a number of times but i've also been to a lot of environmental rallies where i haven't been promoting that message as well because i I think there's you know this is an important part of the environmental movement but there's certainly so many other important issues as well um and yeah i guess i've also um over the years um yeah focused on that that animal issue um but uh, amongst others as well and I, i guess that's what um, we can uh, address here or, or add to this discussion here um, I've also, yeah, on this show and also at various conferences as well I've also been critical of these contingents of the marches while being part of them as sort of very much an insider's critique not that they shouldn't be there or shouldn't raise that issue but just pointing out some of the ways we can maybe do that more constructively uh, messaging that maybe I guess in line with um, with, with Mark's work around holistic activism um, messaging that might maybe connect with these movements more rather than acting as a counter or as, as an opposition to these movements, those kind of things as well. So I've been a part of these movements a lot as also while, while critiquing them. And yeah, for anyone who missed our show last week, and again, check it out by the 3CR site, but it was very much a sort of an insider's perspective on the um, what we'll be covering, um, or what we're focusing on somewhat is the climate crisis, National Day of Action Melbourne, which was last weekend. And last week it was um, two activists who were a part of the um, organizing of that and their efforts to make our, animals are part of this movement and animal agriculture being addressed etc and me and Mark neither of us were involved in the organizing of this so we're not going to provide that insider's perspective but I guess a little bit more of an outsider perspective as two people who definitely accept the importance of animal agriculture in terms of the environmental impact but also um, recognize there are so many other legitimate issues that need to be addressed to, to address the environmental crisis as well so um on this show as well we're going to play some interviews i did at that rally at the climate rally in melbourne last weekend so basically in terms of these interviews uh, i spoke to anyone holding a some kind of vegan sign or animal agriculture etc and what i was asking the questions are basically around um the reaction to you know this contingent of the movement this kind of subsection within the broader environmental movement and also getting their thoughts on how we can connect with a broader environmental movement i've certainly got my own Ideas. And I've spoken about it, but I, I was sure that activists would be having these discussions as well. So I was keen keen to get their perspective on the show about yeah how we can better connect with a broader environmental movement. So we're going to play those interviews in little parts throughout the show. Uh, the interviews. I end up doing three interviews. I was kind of keen to get a bunch, but not everyone is uh, confident to talk on the radio, which, which is fine as well. But I end up getting um, three interviews, and they were with uh, Bruce du- Bruce poon sorry, the president of the Animal Justice Party. Um, there was a speaker. I I didn't catch their name but i believe they're involved with the group vegan rising who, who are raising this issue and also Kristen from vegan rising so they'll, they'll be the three interviews we're playing little little pieces of throughout this uh throughout this show today so the first one i'm going to play uh, my question to all three of them um was the response they've got from the broader environmental movement by raising this issue of animal agriculture
2: uh. Uh, it's been mixed you know I think some people we're here to educate people and I think some people appreciate it might be the first time they've come across some of these facts about animal agriculture and climate change and I think they do quietly appreciate it Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand you know veganism does irritate people and uh, you know possibly we're we're very quietly suggesting that people aren't really doing everything that they could uh, in this movement and um, so we understand we're a bit of an agitation and some people get annoyed about that.
3: So it's really hard to, to really get people to see the relevance. I mean, my take on that is that it's not hard to be an environmentalist who has a short shower or who rides a bike or who points the finger at fossil fuels and petrochemical industries and, and wealth and greed. That doesn't take... A sacrifice from us. And I think that if we're seriously each going to do something about climate change, then we have to look at real sacrifices. For me, it's not a sacrifice to be vegan because I do it for the animals primarily. But to, re- to reach an impasse where you can't communicate with people who call themselves Environmentalists. I mean, I just find that really sad, and it really surprises me because um, it makes sense for environmentalists to get the message about animal agriculture. It's the third largest, at least the third largest contributor to climate change. It's massive destruction of rainforests and of of land and of. Um, um, and water destruction, really—the the purity of water and the use of water. So, um, it really is time for—I don't know whether we need what sort of wake-up call we need, but it really is time for the environmental movement to to really get it that um, it's not just about reducing. I think it is important that, in order to feed the world and in order to save the world. Uh, we have to do something dramatic about land use to do with animal agriculture.
4: Uh, It's generally pretty much been very unwelcome since I started doing this work about eight years ago for about seven years I've been trying to get a speaker into one of these um, rallies on and off, not consistently because sometimes, to be honest, I get way too frustrated and I have to step back. Um, I don't understand the pushback. I find it very frustrating. Um, Six years ago, I begged them to allow one speaker to address uh, the disastrous impacts of animal agriculture and their contribution to climate change. And uh, there was so much pushback. And here we are at the same location six years later, and just for having a sign that says animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change, we've already had a bunch of marshals come and try to move us away. I, I think it's um, very disheartening that because the message um, threatens their, supporter, the, their level of support they'll get, because um, people don't want to acknowledge it and also because they don't want to acknowledge it potentially themselves because it will require them to make personal change that this issue becomes such a contentious one.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Robbie Thorpe. I'm with 3CR Community Radio. Every year we have a subscription drive. It's a way of supporting our organisation maintain itself through the year and we rely on the support of the, the community.
4: One way to do that is to
1: subscribe and become a member, become part of this organisation itself.
3: Get in contact with 3CR. You can go to the website, 3cr.org.au, or you can ring on 9419
4: 8377. 3CR ensures that our voices, Aboriginal voices, are heard on this radio station.
1: So it's a good way of supporting Aboriginal people as well by becoming a subscriber for 3CR Community Radio welcome back to freedom of species bringing you animal advocacy on the airwaves of 3cr and yeah we just heard from robbie thorpe um, promoting the subscribe i um, subscribing to 3cr uh, we had a sub- subscriber show a few weeks ago but if anyone didn't get around to subscribe but wants to support 3cr uh, you can do that via 3cr.org.au and you yeah, can find all the information about subscribing there so today we're talking about the uh yeah the in i guess working to- together or across different movements, focusing specifically on the animal movement and the environmental movement and addressing animal agriculture in environmental movements. So, um, yeah, I wanted to start off by, um, yeah, we heard some, some interviews there with um, people raising that issue at the Climate March in Melbourne last weekend. Um, and, yeah, one yeah well, basically w- one of the arguments is around why we shouldn't address animal agriculture is um yeah methane from animal agriculture contributes significantly to climate change but so does plant-based agriculture in that you know they both have an impact therefore you know we shouldn't be focusing on plant-based agriculture so i'll hand over to mark first talk about why you know why it is important to address this issue and why plant-based agriculture while obviously having some environmental impact has far less of an impact um than um animal agriculture?
0: Yes and what I think is we need to have a broader conversation about agriculture in general which includes plant-based agriculture and in that broader conversation we can discuss the the issue of animal agriculture and the impact that it has and we can't ignore that impact. We can't ignore the impact of animal agriculture in any discussions around climate change and overcoming the the climate emergency and it's there is so much scientific evidence out there that animal farming has a much, much, much more substantial impact than even the worst types of, um, of plant-based farming. And I think for me, I think t- to bring the science into the conversation is very important. And I think um, what I'm a big believer in is Extinction Rebellion have the citizens assemblies um, plan as their third demand. And I think that what we in the vegan movement must, must, I think, that we should try and encourage is that we have citizens assemblies based around agriculture in general, but also based around how we can improve agriculture in order to be more climate-friendly. And that's when we can start bringing in the rational conversation and saying, well, this is what the science is saying. This is where it's coming from. So it takes it away from the emotive, emotional, ideological, because a lot of people, when they hear vegans talking about these things, it, it becomes an ideological issue. The cognitive dissonance kicks in. Um, so I think that what what is important f- For us is to make sure that our presence is very very uh, very much part of the movement that we're we're there but we're also respectful we're respectful with all the other discourses Mm -hmm. that we look for those points of interconnection where we can connect with them and then bring in um, the science and say well this is the science that we're putting onto the table and and, and create those those assemblies. And the great thing about the citizens' assemblies is that they're places for rational discussion. They're managed in such a way that certain discourses can't be pushed above others for emotive reasons. It's, it's about looking at the evidence, the science, the rationality and coming out with with outcomes. Um, so I think that really things like rallies and that kind of thing are important, that we we let people know that animal agriculture is an important issue. But also to be respectful of, of the wider interconnected issues, but also to to, to make it clear that we, we're going to be there to bring that scientific knowledge into proper forums where things can be discussed properly. So that we can put on the table and say, look, we do need to discuss about agriculture in, in general, because all forms of agriculture are problematic. And as as a vegan myself, I know that being vegan is not the end of the story mm. in terms of food ethics. Food ethics is an ongoing conversation. But also, we also need to let people know that there are serious issues around animal agriculture and, um, and the way we frame it, I think, is, is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess building on that, I, I guess addressing some of the critiques, and this is something that came up in the show last week of, you know, the problem is just capitalism. And so one of the arguments, uh, another argument, the problem is not animal or plant-based agriculture, but the way agriculture is industrialized for profits under capitalism. Um, and, yeah, this is a response from Greg McFarlane, director of Vegan Australia, said in response to this, claim um, how is this different to the claim the problem is not fossil fuel or renewable energy production but the way energy production is industrialized for profits under capitalism if the problem is capitalism then why are the left picking sides on technical questions on energy production but not food production i think that's a really important point that i i definitely am all for looking into the problems of capitalism um, but at the same time i don't think we should say well anything within capitalism is equal as well i think we should definitely strive for the um changes that we can within capitalism while also yeah challenging capitalism as well and i also wanted to bring in a report from the intergovernmental panel on climate change which is the un body for assessing the science related to climate change and one thing they pointed out is that basically um we've only got 12 years a dozen years this was from uh, 2018 so now 10 or 11 years um to um, to keep uh, global warming to a maximum of 1.5, beyond which even half a degree will significantly worsen the risks of drought, floods, extreme heat, and poverty for hundreds of millions of people. Um, So yeah, I think there's the idea that we need change so quickly. We definitely need to look at capitalism, but I don't think we can also wait until capitalism is abolished. We need to make any changes that we can now. And again, I think one of those ways uh, is by addressing the huge environmental impact of of animal agriculture
0: yeah look i agree um i mean obviously we do have to move away from this system of growth based perpetual growth on a finite planet and until we and i think that does need to be in the conversation um because unless we do that um anything we do will be offset elsewhere. So like we save water individually, you know, then they'll build an abattoir or they'll build a coal mine. Um, so I think that, uh, and also it is true about um, energy, you know, it's pointless focusing on green energy if we're still within the growth-based paradigm. But that's a whole other issue. I won't get <laughs> caught up in that. We could have another show about that. So I, I, do, I do agree that the, the need for systemic change needs to be imbued within the conversation um but i don't think it should necessarily dominate because mm. systemic change is is going to come out of lots of different conversations coming together and and citizens assemblies and when people stand up and say well hang on a minute we we, we want to do this and then all of, over time we'll realize we'll start building a picture that is a post growth society mm-hmm. but uh, but also paradoxically we also need to make it clear that trying to challenge growth is is also a really important issue and we need to think seriously about it because as you say we've got 10 years mm. and the mission ahead of us over the next 10 years is immense I mean it, I, I, don't, I don't think many people have woken up to the, the immensity of the task ahead of us what we have to do in fact, we have to do things that we haven't even thought of yet because it's that immense. And what we must do is we must find unity and we must find co- connectivity. We, we can't, progressives can't be arguing anymore. We've, we've got to move away from that. And that's why the holistic activism approach can, can play a role. And if people say, you know, industrialized agriculture, um, the, the, the nature of agriculture, industrialization of agriculture is, is the big issue. Then, as vegans, we that can be our um, that can be our way in of connecting because we we agree mostly. I mean, ending um, you know moving to to plant based agriculture is important, but also moving towards regenerative agriculture is also critically important as well. So we can say, I think this is why I think the regenerative vegan movement is really important, because it shows people that you can be more than just vegan. You can also be a vegan who's involved in growing food. That through that very process, you're drawing carbon into the soil. You're increasing biodiversity. You're actually doing more than just being vegan. You're taking it to the next step. And um, I think that that's, that's where we can... We can join them because the thing is, a lot of people will see veganism as a very lifestyleist thing, mm. whereas some um, other people on the left will see it. Well, you know, this is a, a, a lifestyleist issue, whereas we're more interested in workers' rights and we're more interested in, in 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 unraveling the mechanics of a of a system, a top-down, you know, capitalist-based system. So, I think that a willingness to to try and find the common ground, um, you know some people in, in, in socialist circles are not huge the in, uh, have a huge knowledge on regenerative farming, for example, and the importance of farming in general in the overall conversation as vegans, we can bring that to them and can show also by bringing that to them mm-hmm. the importance of the whole plant based narrative and why conversations around becoming more plant based have to be really paramount in that overall conversation about deindustrializing farming and, and because yeah, it's it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. It's all interconnected. Um and, and it's that interconnectivity is where we really should be looking to focus rather than we're right, you're wrong, mm-hmm. that kind of the, the the othering that can happen through some forms of activism
1: yeah yeah and i i guess um yeah building on some of the again addressing some of the critiques about that we shouldn't address animal agriculture another sort of response to the vegan contingent that i heard was they want us to change our diets but we need to do much more than that we need to shift to renewable energy that's a paraphrase but something along those lines like we don't need to do that thing we need to do this and i think this is something that we can also building on to some of the critiques of the vegan activism i think we can also look at this idea it's not this thing it's this other thing and it's like as you kind of touched on why can't it be both like why can't we do everything that we can to address the the climate crisis it's
0: critical that we do
1: yeah and going back to that IPCC report as well um, which is the IPCC special report on global warming of 1.5 degrees celsius released on October 8th 2018 um, they mentioned limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees would require rapid far-reaching and unprecedented changes in all aspects of society including transatlantic transitions in land, energy, industry, buildings, transport, and cities. Yes. So the, these cl- these climate organizations are saying it's not one thing. They're it's saying it, it's lots it? of different things. So I feel absolutely. like the um, the science is on our side for this point of there's many different issues. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, from either side of this debate, it can be, no, this is the one issue. and I, I don't think that is the case at
0: all. No. And it's really important that we, we keep bringing that back into the the focus, that it is an interconnected Mm. issue. This is one of the reasons why I Mm. set up Town Planning Rebellion. Mm. Development, it's like 40% of emissions, yeah. you know, and very few people question um, urban and regional planning and the side of that and the impact that urban sprawl and an economy that's, you know, reliant completely on pouring concrete, what, how we need to sort of challenge that as well. There's yeah. so much focus on renewables. It's like you can build urban sprawl as long as you put a solar panel on the roof mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, and, but you're entrenching car dependency through that development. So, yeah, yeah so for me, it's like we, we've got to bring these important issues of regenerative farming, sustainable town planning, rewilding in conjunction with First Nations and traditional land management techniques into the picture. And um, looking at how we can do that without creating the cognitive dissonance that comes when you're rubbing up against other people's perspectives. So it's not like saying, you know your focus on renewable energy is wrong for example Mm -hmm. it's like this is important we need to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. however we also need to bring these in so that we can create that comprehensive that web of complexity that that's required um in order to create that comprehensive paradigm shift that Mm -hmm. that we urgently need you know um There's no time to lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I definitely don't think we should rule out diet change. And also I'd point out that there are other ways we can address animal agriculture beyond individual diet change as well, which we'll get on onto um, later on in the show as well. Um, there was an article from Vox.com. Do you want to read anything from that? Or,
0: or we can just link to it, or, or I can sum up we one can. of the key points. But, um, we yeah. can. I mean, yeah. I think one thing I want to point out is, mm. is again, it's, this is why food ethics is an ongoing conversation because mm. this, this article challenges the whole notion that eating local... Mm is more important than what you eat. Now, this, this article actually says, well, actually eating local is important, but actually what you eat um, and is, can be more important than whether or not it's, it's local, for example. Mm. So this, this article says, you know, locally produced animal products are not necessarily greener than uh, plant-based products that were grown. Further away. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the reason why I find that article interesting is because it, it really does go to show how nuanced these conversations are and how we need to be careful to not get too rigidly caught up in sound bites. Because uh, I've heard a lot of people say, ah, oh, well, I'm eating animal products because it's local and this mm. is, you know, that kind of thing. But again, local is important. You know, I don't yeah. want to eat avocados from South America. I don't want to eat quinoa from, you know, and, and prevent quinoa. Why aren't we growing avocados in a Australia is part of an agroforestry regenerative farming, you know, why aren't we growing more quinoa in Australia Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah so I just, I just really want to highlight the complexities of these issues and, and and why we need to have this as an ongoing conversation.
1: Yeah, and I'll just read a sort of a sentence, which I think uh, sums up one of the key points from the article. Again, this is from vox.com, and we'll put, we'll put up a link up in the show notes. I've also shared this around on our social media platforms. But eating plant-based food is almost always going to be better for the environment than eating even the most sustainable meat. And yeah, I guess going away from the article, as Mark mentioned, that doesn't mean we can't try and do plant-based agriculture better and and make better choices when it comes to plant-based as well but i thought that was a good a good point and yeah i I guess we'll move on from the environmental impact of animal agriculture now now look at how yeah how the uh vegan movement or animal yeah those addressing animal agriculture and climate spaces can work better uh with the broader movement um and moving on to that discussion first hearing from some interviews then me and mark will elaborate also i'll mention um adam another freedom of species host who is a scientist i think his uh Expertise are quite useful on this issue. I put up a PowerPoint that he's summed up a lot of the, the recent research on this issue. So if anyone is curious to learn more about that, I recommend that. And again, that's in the show notes of this show as well as on our social media. But we'll get to lot, get to the second lot of interviews I did at the Climate Rally at Melbourne last weekend. And yeah, on on this in this um, question, I basically asked um, all the people um, how we can better connect with a broader environmental movement. Well,
2: look, uh, it's an ongoing story. And it's a, it's difficult to join people together and to be you know unified. But we do want that. You know we do need all of those people of goodwill who want justice in all fields. You know ultimately to be working together for the better society. And you know the animal movement needs to work with other movements as well. Um, it's you know it's not working that well at the moment. Um, but. Uh, you know, it's a long, it's a long fight.
3: I don't know what the issue is, um, other than it's really easy to do some things, but it takes, it takes a bit of guts to do other things and to change, to change your lifestyle in order to save the planet should be a really basic, fundamental. Um, you know, it, it is a baseline really um, for me. Uh, I was always an environmentalist, but this, when I heard the vegan message, it just
4: it just made so much sense. I think uh, I have been trying it in a very sort of passive way for a long time, and I feel like now we have no other choice but to force it. Um, the people have a right to know what's going on and what the science is saying, and if the people that are apparently guiding the so-called climate justice uh, space are unwilling to address that and therefore hiding knowledge and very scientifically proven knowledge and data from the general public, then I feel it's our responsibility to force the change so people actually know what's going on i think we've tried other ways and they've failed um, and now it's the time to force it obviously in um, coming from a place of peace and love but still um, making sure that we are no longer silenced i am sick of being silenced i'm sick of seeing so many passionate educated people in this area silenced and i think we need to start speaking up and if that requires a bit of force then that's what we have to start doing
1: Welcome back to Freedom of Species. We heard um, yeah, some voices from the climate rally, from those promoting um, the environmental impact of animal agriculture or trying to address animal agriculture in environmental spaces. And, yeah, I wanted to just briefly touch on, um, I think, in response to that question, and I think there's quite common in the vegan movement, there's the idea that we're opposed because we focus on individual change. And I do think there is something to that argument, just a, a very anecdotal example, but uh, one band that I like called Propagandy, who are all vegan band, but also sing you know, around, you know, feminism, anti-fascism, anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, all these broad kind of issues. But they were saying the one issue they've kind of got the most pushback from is raising the issue of veganism. And they said that, you know, their guess is because you, know, you can listen to a propaganda song and say, yeah, I'm an anti-capitalist now or I'm an anti-imperialist now and not actually make that many changes. You just go, yep, I, I am that thing now. Um, whereas they were saying when they raise the issue of veganism, that affects you at least three times a day. So I do think there is something to that. But I also think there is more to the opposition than that as well. And I do think there are ways we can work more constructively with the broader environmental movement. So that's what we're going to focus on in this section. So I'll hand it over to Mark first. Um, if he has any thoughts on, yeah, how we can work better and better connect with the broader environmental movement.
0: Yes, it's interesting to hear on that last interview how that, that feeling of having been silenced um, for so long. And look, it, it's it's true. Um, I do feel that too. I feel as though uh, vegan discourses have been silenced and, and and other parts of the environment movement as well have been silenced. And the key is is how do we challenge that and bring that into the narrative, without creating the, the the equal and opposite reaction that occurs when you push and you become really sort of militant, and that that creates a sort of a response, which can be sort of um, inflammatory, you know, and and counterproductive, um, and I think. Things have changed a little bit in the last couple of years with the with the with the advent of Extinction Rebellion, and I'm not I'm not saying Extinction Rebellion are perfect, but what they have succeeded in growing very fast, very quickly, and I do think that having their third demand as Peoples Assemblers, Citizens Assemblers, is one of the best ways of ensuring that these crucial narratives can be communicated in a way that um, people need, uh, can't hide away from, you know. And and, and and the nature of these assemblies is such that it's structured in a way that those conversations can be had without people who are shouting louder, kind of mm. shouting above us. Um, in terms of how we intersect with existing movements around climate change, I I do think very much that we have to understand the fact that a lot of people in the vegan movement have been thinking about this for a long time. For a lot of people, it's it's new and it's challenging. Mm-hmm. It's quite quite ex- um, quite normal for that to be the case. And again, it goes back to that issue of having, first of all, acknowledging where they're coming from and their role in the movement and the importance of their role and looking for where we can find that common ground as a as a way in um and then from there saying we you know we we need to have these assemblies we need to have assemblies on sustainable planning we need to have assemblies on farming we need to have assemblies on green energy all of these things and plant-based narratives um are actually in intertwined with all of those you know but especially with the with the farming the The individual stuff is is really, really important, but of course again, it goes back to that whole principle of for every individual that becomes a vegan, the system can find ways of pushing meat meat into other areas and animal agriculture, or you know they'll increase animal exports to counteract the lack of Australians eating meat, you know so the need to to look at the systemic change is as important as the behavioural stuff that we as individuals must do. I think, you know, there's there's this whole philosophy. There was this essay once called Forget Shorter Showers. It's like it's pointless having shorter showers because... Anything you do will just be... Any savings you do will be spat out by the system mm-hmm. elsewhere. And that's true, but I also think it's really important that us as individuals learn to change our behaviour mm. because any kind of post-carbon world that we create is going to require a behavioural change, a massive shift in behaviour from... the behavior, You know, you can't cure an addiction with the same behaviour that that got you into the addiction. So there needs to be... You know, if I was going to get more... Um, spiritual and say a change of human consciousness but change in behaviour. I, I won't let you get away with that. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> that's, that's as far as I'm going to go, I promise. I won't go any further. I'll get the tarot cards no, I, I, I get what you say. <laughs> but, yeah, so change in behaviour. Um, so the behavioural change stuff is really important. Um, so we do need to do both, but it is both. So yeah, encouraging people to make those in- individual changes is critical, but we also need to get into the movements, but in a respectful way that looks mm. for that common ground and use those citizens' assemblies and conversations Cafes to, to create a safe space so that we can have have those conversations because we can't be silenced in anymore, but we also can't be um going about that in a way that can actually um create that cognitive dissonance and that um sort of um escalatory um you know you know that the whole idea is is that if if you know, the scientific evidence is if, if you uh, challenge someone's ideology, even mm. if you have rational arguments to back it up, the evidence is, is those people are more likely to dig into their ideology rather than mm. change their perspective. And become even more grounded in that ideology. Exactly. It strengthens it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that knowledge is really important. We don't want to do that. We want to look for the ways in and the ways of connection mm. so that we build up that connectivity so that the conversations that we have are not seen as um, a it, a clash of ideologies but mm. an ongoing inclusive conversation that everyone can take ownership of mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and i think a key thing for me over the years again of being part of these contingents but also you know trying to think of how we can do better as well i think a key thing for me is to as i touched on at the start be an addition to these existing uh, valid important messaging that already exists in the environmental movement um rather than a counter so rather than no we shouldn't be promoting that we should be promoting this instead going this is all important to promote because uh, that's what the science says and and these are all important issues and important parts of the puzzles Um, and we've got this other messaging that we can bring in um, to have an even bigger impact on addressing uh, the climate crisis and just an analogy this is from improv comedy which I I haven't done I don't want to do it'd be horrible but uh, my partner did an an improv comedy course and one of the games they do is yes and so it's like someone says are you kind of build on that. And I was kind of thinking that as an analogy of sort of intersectional intersectionality and social movement of always yes and rather than yes but. So it's always like, yes, here's another thing we can add rather than like, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Here is what we should be focusing on. And so always kind of thinking if you're thinking about action social movement, are we doing the yes and or are we doing the yes but? Does that make any sense, V <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. I think okay. that's an
0: excellent analogy. Okay. I really like that. Oh, yeah. Good. Go yeah. for the yes and yeah. instead of the yes but because yeah. it's 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 always we need to be embracing nuance not moving away from nuance you know mm-hmm. the the i forget who said it now but a great quote is that true tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance and i don't think people are necessarily deliberately removing nuance but mm-hmm. they're not not looking to add and and find that 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 nuance yeah and, and 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 the key is is by looking for nuance we find more interesting ways of of different movements and people intersecting with a broader movement mm-hmm. um which is what we need to do.
1: Yeah, and, and speaking of nuance, I think it is really great to have these platforms where we can devote an hour to a topic rather than a seven-second soundbite on the mainstream media news or something like that as well. So I think this is an important platform for that nuance. Um, but yeah, I think the I guess building on that as well, I guess viewing other parts of the movement as our issue, um, and that doesn't mean we can't also a- address animal agriculture. You know, that might be our focus. That might be what an issue we're particularly passionate about, in that that. Fine, and, and again, the guests we had on last week—I uh, wasn't part of that show—but um, from Freedom of Species, I thought they did a great job of supporting these other causes, but also trying to make animal agriculture a part of these movements, which I think it absolutely should be. And I thought they sound like they're doing a great job. Um, but I think sometimes we act as though no, we don't want those ideas heard; we want ours ours done instead. And, and some extreme examples of that—I I only became aware of this well after the rally, but I've heard um, from someone that someone actually pulled out the plug to the rally um someone from the vegan contingent um while the rally was speaking and then apparently um, some elements of, of the vegan contingent actually congratulate the, c- congratulated them and certainly not yeah you know, all of the vegans who i've spoken to were very disgusted by that kind of action it definitely isn't everyone who's part of that but um it seems like there are some who yeah actually want to um yeah, again, it's not don't want that hurt at all and want the animal agriculture instead. And I think that is is the wrong yeah, I guess the wrong way to go about things. Um and yeah, also though, I think some of the the more um the more subtle forms of messaging, I think, yeah, I'd, obviously that's a fairly obvious example, but I think there are sometimes more subtle forms of messaging which can turn people away as well. So one example is messaging like so-called climate activists. I hear that quite a lot from a vegan, vegan movement, and I think that is is something that I, I don't find productive, I don't find accurate, because, again, I think they are f- focusing on important issues. doesn't mean they could also add ag- and agriculture and, and yeah, Do that as well, but they are doing a legitimate thing I don't really like. Um, that messaging um, another one is um, talking about animal agriculture's leading cause of climate change and I have fact checked this again with Adam who's a freedom of species host and yeah he basically, his figures um, he's, yeah I just sort of fact checked that claim with Adam who's yeah, an academic in the sciences, um, I'm not I'm a social scientist but um, Adam said that energy is 25% of emissions and animal agriculture is 15% um, so he was saying that there are certain figures there's certain studies you can point to, which would say animal agriculture is more than that, but he said they're problematic figures. They're not the most reliable data. Um, but someone did also dispute that on Facebook as well. So I, what I'm going to get do is uh, speak to Adam and try and get him to address this on the show at a future point, where, where he gets that data from, um, why he doesn't uh, support using data, which puts animal agriculture at a higher figure as well. Uh, but yeah, we better go to the next... Um, Yeah, the next interview as well. So this is focusing on more um, this idea of systematic change and structural change. The next interview from the rally. And I guess one of the reasons I've personally been thinking along these lines is environmental activists always been charged of being hypocritical so we think of what according to the right-wing media for example what is a legitimate climate activist who has the right to actually protest i guess first of all they're naked because at the blockade i-mark protest one of the executives said um said we're hypocritical because we're wearing clothes and they're from mining so we've got to be naked first of all we can't use mobile phones etc and so i i got really sick of these like hypocr- hypocr- hypocrisy because basically it's like no one's perfect and if you're not perfect you can't protest and raise the issue and therefore which i think they want is no one protest um so i think we need to sort of challenge that so and you, you wrote a very good article on this oh as well. thank you yeah yeah well it was independent australia but um yeah and so what i did to this rally is something a bit different i've always focused around individual veganism but i brought some placards to the rally no new animal agriculture 100 percent plant-based agriculture by 2030 and a just transition for animal agricultural workers so that's messaging that's very much consistent with the, the student strike for Climate movement and and most environmental movements have messaging along those lines, but addressed towards fossil fuels. And I've just tweaked them to address animal agriculture. So again, I think we should embrace individual change, but it's not the only thing we can do. And also, actually, I should mention that a lot of the the messaging from the vegan contingent or from the those addressing animal agriculture was along these lines. I saw banners like "Plant-based food system now" and "Animal agriculture phase out must start now." And also some great banners using humor and those kind of things. So I I I thought that a lot of the messaging was really great again I was um, yeah some of it like yeah true climate activists don't eat animals like that kind of messaging I'm not so keen on it sort of goes back to the you can't be a meat eating environmentalist rather than And culture has a big big impact or something like that but i thought most of it was really great but anyway i'm going to go to the final interviews now and yeah this is basically talking about some of these banners and yeah whether we could maybe better connect with these movements with more structural messaging
2: yeah i think we need to make that broad society-based change as well as individual choice people can make a choice today we understand that and we think they should (laughs) But we're, you know, I'm from the Animal Justice Party, we're in politics, we like to deal with governments and systems, and um, some of the banners today point out that it's not really a case of individual choice anymore. We need to do something to keep the planet habitable, and um, reducing animal agriculture is one of those things we absolutely
3: need to do. I'm actually not sure. But even when we talk about, and some of our some of our um, talk about leading to transition to plant-based agriculture um, and transitioning, I mean, sorry, transitioning away from animal agriculture and, and a big increase to plant-based agriculture. Um, even that seems to get people hot, on, hot under the collar, and you know, I find that.
4: I'm not sure. I absolutely think we need to be doing both. We need to talk about just transition for farmers and slaughterhouse workers, um, and we need to be talking about individual change. And we need to be talking about governments promoting in hospitals and in the education system the benefits of plant-based diets for the environment and our health, and for you know our physical and mental health. That is, um, and we need to be talking, seeing this as a an issue, a global issue that is about individual and systemic change. It, one won't, can't survive, um, succeed without the other. Um, in this space because consumer choice does drive demands and also obviously government systemic change does influence consumer choice so we need to be coming at it from both angles I don't think we should be naive enough to think we can just go at it one but what we're seeing at the moment unfortunately is neither so we're here really today to inspire the people that are here to to, to let them know that they can have an impact. They don't have to wait for government to make change because the way it's going at the moment, the government is not going to change. We all know that. We are, I mean, we need to keep pushing them. We, don't, we can't give up, but they are digging their heels in hard and we don't have time. So we need to start that ball rolling as consumers and then we need government pressure at the same time. Tune
0: into 3CR on March 8th as we dish up another feast of radical ideas to end gender inequality. Centering the voices of First Nations, refugee, migrant women
3: and gender diverse people. Challenging liberal and corporate feminisms in discussions on sovereignty, workers' rights, nuclear disarmament, environmental justice, animal rights, as well as music and performance. From
0: 11pm Saturday March 7 to midnight Sunday March 8, on 3CR Digital, 8.55am, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Check the website for more details. Roasting the Patriarchy. Recipes for dismantling the system.
2: This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am,
3: Melbourne, Australia.
0: Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively There
1: just might be something we can do And everything can change Welcome back to Freedom of Species. We're joined by Mark Allen discussing uh, some of the tensions between animals and environmental movements, how we can work together better, etc. And I wanted to thank all the people who spoke to me at the rally. Um, Yeah, lots of really interesting insights there. And I I did actually, um, Kristen's point at the end, Kristen from Vegan Rising, this idea of embracing individual change. Again, I I spoke about before some of the reasons why I've kind of been a little bit turned away by individual change or not so much individual change. I've been vegan for about 15 years and it's still... just as important to me as it was then I think it's a really positive thing to do any kind of individual change whether it's veganism or giving up your car or whatever I think these are important to make. but yeah just sort of being a bit turned away when they're sort of phrased in that terms of hypocrisy Um, but I do think it is worth embracing individual change and yeah some of the messaging was broader talking about plant-based food system and others was promoting individual veganism I think that's fine I think um, it is a, a good message to promote but I guess for me it's about viewing individual change as just one one um tool in our toolkit rather than the only form of change but I'll hand over to Mark to make some um yeah brief final thoughts on individual and structural change before we wrap up with some plugs.
0: Yeah, thanks Nick. Yeah, look and I I agree as just to sort of um as I said earlier um it it, it is important. I again the individual change stuff is is important because you know changing our behavior is 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 critical, um, but again, the individual stuff without the systemic stuff is also very ineffective, and we've learned that you know, um, so much emphasis on you know, getting your cloth bags and we're all recycling mm. our cans. And, you know, here I was back in the late 90s, you know, getting everyone to save their plastic and then coffee pods came along mm. and it's just like, oh, God, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, you, you see them banning um, bags in, in the main supermarkets, but then they haven't done anything about the, the packaging or mm-hmm. all the balloons. And so you're constantly, um, all you're doing really is, is saving resources for a growth-based society that will use them elsewhere. But again, as I say, it is important. So, yes, yeah, systemic change is, is critical and we need to work towards that rapidly. Um, the system we're in is toxic um, and many people are waking up to that. This is the thing. Many, many people are waking up to that. And the conversations that we need to have around that, um, again, it's, it's about creating that, that, that broad movement for systemic change, which allows everyone to have their say in a reasonable way without that um, cognitive dissonance and rub- rubbing up against each other. The question is, is how do we do it? Right now I'm thinking the Citizens Assembler's is model is, is a good way um, because it's very hard for the powers that be to to deny the outcomes of citizens assemblies is because they're structured in such a way it's it's like a kind of a court and a jury you know um and you get experts in the field you get people from the community they come up with conclusions and we say this is this is what we think this is what we're putting down but for me as well i my problem is is that we're going into unknown territory we have to Create um, a change in the system in a rapid short a rapid space of time and and we have to do it in a way that 's never been done before and i think it 's really important that it 's a bottom up change we, we don 't want it to be a, a top down um, presupposed ideology um, it actually has to be something that that, that that comes from the bottom up through that ongoing conversation that we need to have. Activism needs to be an ongoing we're always going to need ac- activism because it's that vigilance that we need, you know, the price of peace is eternal mm-hmm. vigilance. And we always need to be having those conversations and challenging, um, ideologies and sound bites in a, in a, in a nice, um, all encompassing way that, that doesn't other people and creating those structures so that we can do that is, is really, really important. Um, and we, 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 we've got no time to lose. Um, so, yeah, systemic change, but systemic change requires behavioural change as well. And so that's, that's where the individual stuff, that, 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 um, that individual stuff we do, that behavioural change we stuff will do, will influence us in how we work towards systemic change but the two need to be intertwined
1: mm, absolutely and i think these these structures you know even though they're somewhat out of individual control they change over time and are somewhat affected by individual decisions individual yes. choices etc so yeah i think both are important and i guess to make a final point when we're talking about learning from other social movements um, hearing rochelle and maria last week who had mainly been involved in uh, animal spaces but had been being involved in these other environmental movements and other social justice movements in recent times talking about that's something we can learn from environmental movements in that there are um these very structural demands like again no new um fossil fuels etc and often we're talking about just individual veganism um and so we can sort of learn that and again i I saw evidence of um animal advocates there or those um raising the environmental impact of animal agriculture sort of shifting their messaging from learning from the messaging of environmental movements and on the flip side as well i think we can also you individual change is also part of addressing issues like fossil fuels like moving away from car dependence and those kind of issues as well so again whatever issue we're focusing on there's a number of different ways we can go about it and i think we should really embrace all different ways rather than necessarily focusing on one but i'm going to hand it over to mark um to give a few plugs i know you've got a few um facebook groups you're involved in but yeah anything you'd like to promote for
0: yourself for those who like to hear more from you oh thank you um Town Planning Rebellion is my um, my big one at the moment that I'm just setting up. So if you're interested in the town planning and development side of the climate emergency, uh, please come and uh, join our group. It's called Town Planning Rebellion. It's on Facebook. We also have um, uh, a website that's part of the Holistic Activism um, website. Uh, so um, I run the Holistic Activist Movement and the town planning rebellion movement and the two are kind of intertwined we share a website but there's also a holistic activism and behavior change facebook group which is all about looking for taking a more holistic approach to dealing with um you know the these these multiple crises that we're dealing with and how we can build up a comprehensive movement um for change um I also have a group called Sustainable Vegan Communities, which is a small little Facebook group that just bubbles along. But it's looking at um, people who are interested in creating sustainable communities based around plant-based living. Um, So those are the three. Yeah. Yeah. And my band, Counting Backwards, we have a Facebook group too. And
1: we're going to play a song from them in a moment. But yeah, I did want to also mention, you can find all our old shows um, at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species, as well as on iTunes. And I think two episodes that are particularly relevant to our discussion today, if you'd like to hear more along these lines, definitely check out our last show, Representing Agricultural Transition in the Climate Movement, featuring Rochelle and Maria. Also, you can hear from more from Mark. Um, the previous show with Mark was just called Mark Allen, Holistic Action. Activism. I'll also put um, audio of the full rally from the Climate Rally if anyone wants to hear some of those speeches from the rally. Lots of interesting discussions on uh, workers' rights, fossil fuels, um, Aboriginal perspectives on the environment, etc. Also, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can contact us um, through various ways. Info at freedomofspecies.org, Facebook or Twitter. Um, share our shows around, etc. Um, and yeah, I did want to just briefly read out some read feedback on a recent show. So the episodes Katie Batty the companion animals in our lives Um, Joanna on Twitter um, promoted it said podcast recommendation a thoughtful and relatable personal story about the the companion animals in our lives for anyone who has ever loved a dog and that was all about our dog Charlie who Mark uh, knew very well as well I looked after him before Um, but yeah you can check that out and we appreciate any feedback or anyone sharing the show around Um, stay tuned for um, our show next week so Sunday the 8th of March is going to be Roasting the Patreon International Women's Day 2020 so there's going to be um, programming along those lines radical ideas to end gender inequality all day and our show will be looking at feminism and animal rights um, featuring Madison and other freedom of species presenters so tune into the whole day tune into our show in particular hopefully you catch that and we're going to finish up with the song um, end of history by counting backwards actually by Mark so anything
0: you want to say about the song Mark Oh, yeah, it's just a song about the need for change, behavior change, and um, yeah, it's a bit of an angry song, but it... Got some stuff off my chest.
1: Cool, and you can download that at shockoctopus.bandcam.com. Oh, yes. Also, a couple. There are a couple of um, swear words in it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm not very good with that, though. Thanks for the heads up. Um, all proceeds go to Extinction Rebellion, whose Mark has mentioned throughout the show. And next up, we're we're going to have in lots of interesting discussions around drug use, drug policy, etc. Make sure you stay tuned for that, and you can also catch it via the 3CR website. <laughs>
0: Leningrad before the peace, so many lost to the pursuit of a single dream, some pulled through on the leaves that collected on the street, others forced to eat the ones they found frozen in their sleep, because they couldn't, they didn't have a name.